Neve Gallagher is an energy healer and intuitive guide that works with thoughtful, empathic, and wise women who long to create change, healing, and beauty in the world through their businesses. She helps them get clear on their soul vision, express their unique voice and leadership, and trust in what is possible for their work. Neve believes that rather than trying to fit into the world as we know it, we can instead use business as a creative tool to transform and heal our culture, offering new models of how women can live, work, and flourish. She offers once-off and longer-term mentoring, as well as a year-long group program that takes women on a journey to reclaim the power of the wise woman in business. I adored my interview with Neve because we really dive into all of the long-term conditioning women have had to endure in the world of business and in all the other realms. And we talk about why right now is probably the most fortunate time for women due to all the growth potential in women's leadership and spiritual spaces. Enjoy. Welcome, Neve. It's so wonderful to be here with you today on Ferocious Compassion. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I just have so many good memories of in the last few years, particularly getting on Instagram and thinking, what am I doing here on Instagram? How am I going to get inspired? Mm. And then I would see, and then I would see one of your posts and think, this is the reason I'm on Instagram. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel that your work really follows uh, a very specific thread in that it has a lot of integrity and a lot of teaching and lesson. And, and I particularly love a quote that you wrote on your website that really just resonates with me where you say, I believe the world is deeply craving and desperately in need of a new type of healer. Mm. I'd love it if you could talk about that a little bit and what is behind that. Yeah, um, I guess where my work has been going for quite a few years now is thinking about women's voices, women's leadership and contribution to the world with a particular lens of thinking about our spiritual leadership and what we can offer as healers with a very broad definition of what healer actually is. Because without even knowing it a lot of the time, just by showing up as ourselves in our truth and um, offering ourselves with radical honesty and authenticity and reclaiming the parts of ourselves that maybe have been shamed, um, we're just naturally healing and changing the culture just in the way we show up in our lives and in our work. And so I think a lot of the work that women who are aiming to be quite self-aware and conscious and really deeply care about bringing positive change to the world, a lot of our work is reclaiming in ourselves 
the parts of us that are actually really powerful, but we don't always realize that because the very parts of ourselves that are where our greatest beauty and power and healing capacity lie are also the places where we have been shamed or where we have been told, actually, that's a weakness. That's something Mm -hmm. you should be covering up and pretending is not part of you at all. That's powerful. Yeah. I think that reclamation has the power to bring deep change to our culture. And I think that's already happening from what I can see in the world. It's, you know, it's the opposite of Sheryl Sandberg's famous lean in idea. It's um, it's not leaning into the culture as it is now. It's leaning into what our vision for how the culture could be if we really told our truth and we really showed up in the fullness of who we are um, and embraced our own vision and perspective and led with that, which is often the opposite of what is you know, regarded as important or what is valued in our culture as it stands at the moment. Mm. The thing that I keep hearing and seeing in all of your work throughout the years is the deep tie-in to feminine spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that your work is centered around that. And I'm wondering, how did you become influenced to, to work in that realm? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm still trying to figure out how I got here myself. But I think for a long time, from as far back as I remember, I was I was very interested in spirituality in general. And as a little girl growing up in Ireland, that meant that at the time I was brought up in the Catholic faith, as pretty much everybody in Ireland was once upon a time. And so I would have spent an awful lot of time just thinking about the big questions, really trying to understand the meaning of things, asking the big why questions. Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? And um, I would have accepted quite a few of the teachings of my religion when I was younger. But I think when I was a teenager, as happens to many of us, I started questioning everything. And I also started uh, reading quite a lot of feminist books, writings, um, and bringing that lens to things. So I walked away from Catholicism for quite a while. I walked away entirely from spirituality. And what brought me back in was in my mid-20s, having a bit of a life crisis, really. My my parents separated in pretty in a pretty nasty, nasty breakup. And it brought up an awful lot of family secrets, stuff we had been pushing down, suppressing, not talking about. That all came up. I also had a health crisis. My, my body kind of fell apart under the stress and trauma of everything that kind of started to play out. And as happens for many of us, when we go through these crises in our lives, we end up turning to spirituality to try and find some sort of meaning, like why? So I would have gone to 
psychotherapy to try and sort through a lot of, you know, understanding what was happening with my family and healing a lot of the wounds, uh, lots of alternative therapies to try and heal my body. But I was still kind of left with the why question. And I guess that's the question I have been sitting with for quite a long time, having to think about the why of things. Why do we go through the experiences that we go through? What is the meaning of it all? What is it trying to teach us? And because I um, I bring a particular feminist lens to things, I've always been really, really uh, interested in female power, women's power, how we can redress the injustices and the imbalances around women uh, that I saw in particular growing up in my family and in the culture here in Ireland. Uh, Because I'm bringing that lens to it, I also see spirituality through that lens. And what I see a lot of the time is that a lot of the central issue through how I look at the world is the fact that we are missing the feminine face of God. Mm, yes, yes, yes. And it's a core issue. And I think we don't even realize it. So even for, you know, non-religious people, it's still there as a thing in our culture. And I think it shows up in our politics. It's showing up now in the US around abortion. We refuse deliberately to see women as being divine and to see our lives as being sacred and what we bring to the world as sacred and our bodies as sacred and our wisdom as sacred. And I see that as being a way, uh, like reclaiming the feminine face of God or the feminine face of the divine as being a way of reclaiming much of what is missing in our cultural conversations, um, in our politics, in our economy, in our families. And so if we can bring back the values of the lost feminine as also sacred, well, then we can naturally redress the balance and introduce the kind of missing pieces that we're all craving. But what what we sense is missing, perhaps we can't really put a language on it, but there's a sense that there's something we are missing. And what we are missing really is the divine feminine, the mother, Mm. you know, the God, God as mother, God as grandmother, God as feminine expression, as much as the masculine. Ooh, I really am so moved by that. Mm. Everything that you just said. Um, I just returned from Italy from leading a retreat in Italy after our absence, our pandemic absence for over two yeah, years. And it must have been amazing. It truly was. And Italy is such a divinely feminine place. I mean, Mm. I realize that it has, it's steeped in, um, you know, its own version of patriarchy. Yeah. And yet everywhere you go is Mary. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I've noticed that women who are on retreat almost always connect to each other and to the land and to the experience there Mm. uh, through some sort of divine feminine, um, you know, vibration, if you will. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And 
it's almost like it's there's not really a way of naming it as such, but that's what's happening for everyone. They're describing it in different ways, but because we don't really have the language built in, mm-hmm. it's it's not always easily identified in the words in the culture that we're all, you know, most familiar mm-hmm. with at this stage. Yeah. It's similar in Ireland as well. It's kind of similar in Catholic countries or traditionally Catholic countries where part of the feminine was allowed to be kept. So the feminine face of God in the form of Mary, which was wonderful. We got to keep something. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, that's a particular version of the Holy Mother, which is not really a full picture of the full mm-hmm. feminine. I, I, I remember feeling a little bit uncomfortable, even as a girl, with what was being taught to me about Mary. It was very much about this ideal of the mother as the one who sacrifices, you know, the one who is the martyr, who doesn't yes. think of herself, who gives up everything, even gives up control of her body um, to do God's bidding without complaint. Con- yes. It's just making a, a sacrifice of all that you are your entire life without ever complaining in fact being quite silent about it and just loving 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 all the way through (laughs) and you know part of that is lovely but I see that playing out all of the time when we talk about motherhood as well it's kind of this ideal and we celebrated a mother's day I know you've just had mother's day over in we sure did (laughs) in North America and I I feel some part of that is lovely, but part of it makes me uncomfortable as well, and that it silences the parts of us that want to actually speak out and ask for something better in our expression of caring, our expression of motherhood. You know? Oh my gosh. The, and I think that's really playing out during the pandemic for mothers. Right. Yeah. Mothers, mothers are exhausted, they're overwhelmed they feel unsupported. It's, it's obviously a new paradigm in our world Mm -hmm. that we're living into and there's no precedence for this. And so what I'm hearing the cries for mother, uh, land is that it's just, it's, we're really walking in unknown territory and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's kind of a step, quite a few steps backwards in a lot of ways, isn't it? The pandemic experience kind of forced women back into roles that they I guess quite boxed in you know Mm -hmm. kept within the home uh carrying much more of a load than they had been being responsible for more than they had been not being able to share it more widely with friends or extended family and it's really yeah it's it's brought it all up hasn't it the the unfairness and the inequality Yeah, it's kind of brought it right back into front and center. And Mm -hmm. I think, again, when you were when you were talking about how, you know, when you were discovering yourself, when you were a much younger woman, you're asking the questions, the why questions. And I think that women are asking those questions in multitude right now. I mean, they always have, but Mm -hmm. there's something going on now where women are really giving themselves space. And I think that is one of the silver linings of the benefit of the pandemic, which is that women are willing to say, why? 
why, yeah. why am I doing these things? Why am I living this way? And what, you know, what does this really mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think what can be used as a shaming tool against women is this notion of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I should, I should just be grateful for what I have you know, what's wrong with me that I can't just get on with it, be happy with my lot. I, I've been given so much. Uh, there's so much that's good. What's wrong with me that I'm feeling dissatisfied when I should be grateful. And part of that is a disowning of our power because there's power in speaking truth mm-hmm. and there's power in saying what's not okay, what we're dissatisfied with. And part of that speaking the truth about what we're dissatisfied with is that there's a lot of shame that comes with that because that is a way of keeping us in our box and maintaining the status quo as if we're taught that you know you should just be grateful for what you have mm-hmm. instead of thinking well yeah I am grateful for what I have but also so much of this is not fair and I think this could be a lot better you know I've got ideas for how we could make this better And why settle for what we have when we could make things better, not just for ourselves, but for our children, for the men in our lives, for, you know, for everyone. Yeah, we're looking, we're looking at society for answers. We're looking at art Mm -hmm. and film and books and social media. And we're always, we're seeking, we're seeking ways and new thought. And it's, Oftentimes I'm so frustrated by how incredibly slow it is. Just, oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. It is frustrating. I think with every generation though, we have the potential to, you know, take the baton from previous generations and run with it Mm -hmm. and move the needle as much as we can. And then we pass it on to the next generation. So we just have to do what we can. And I wish I could wave a magic wand and change <laughs> so much of the way things are done, change our systems radically overnight. But a lot of the work that we have to do is that internal work of clearing out the patriarchy within ourselves and showing up in our lives, modeling how things can be, what we want to see in the world you know, modeling that in small and big ways so that that in itself is sowing the seeds of something that we want to see in the world, whether we see the full results of it in our lifetime or not. um, Well, that's up for debate. We'll just have to see. Mm, It's just such an important message that you're giving. And it, it just, there's so much behind the languaging too, in the work that you do. And I was thinking about your your feminine leadership archetype quiz, which I took. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I loved it, but I was kind of surprised that I was, I ended up being the lover. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Does that, I mean, it does. Because I was like, is this, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting because when I was taking the quiz, there were answers in there that I looked at and thought, Ooh, that was me five years ago. Yeah. Right. Uh You know, and as I become an older woman, I'm moving out of that sort of maiden pleasing Uh uh, role into, you know, the wise woman. 
Yeah. And yet it's even, it's even more than that. It's, it's that, um, I don't really need to mother anyone anymore. And it, it mm-hmm. feels really good. It's, it's very liberating. Yeah. And yet when I, when I continue to step out of that role, I feel resistance in so many ways from not just culture, but people that know me. That's interesting. And so <laughs> what's the resistance that people don't want you to step out of that mothering role? They want you to they want me yeah it's like that that sense that well if you're not that anymore what does this mean Mm. for me you know what does this mean for me and if you're if you're speaking up and out about your truth and what you believe then how does that how does that affect me and or us Mm -hmm. and I think that it also kind of ties into something that I was reading um in the work that you do, which is sort of seeing business as the, as the new frontier for the wise woman. And I find that to be a very compelling idea. Yeah. So generally when I'm working with clients, I would see everyone as having two primary archetypes that are alive within them at any stage in their lives. Oftentimes they're primary archetypes types that stay with them throughout their lives but sometimes they change and so for you I would see you definitely as being the wise woman um, but also the lover so obviously the lover is a a huge big theme for you and it makes sense because Italy (laughs) is the country of the lover it's that wild sensuality you know experiencing everything through the senses the pleasure of the land, the food, um, everything in Italy is so much about pleasure. They really worship pleasure and pure day-to-day enjoyment of life. Life is a celebration. And that's rejuvenating medicine for mm-hmm. so many of us. Yes. And that's really what a country like Italy offers. Um, And the combination of the wise woman and the lover is just that it's like ecstatic, wise living. Mm. Oh, that, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's not, it's not easy for all specifically Americans who come over. Mm -hmm. They, you know, women in America, they're taught to really grind into their mind. Right. You know, it's this idea that we can think it all out and figure it all out mentally and then when they come to Italy they're sort of held by this this you know feminine energy and spirituality and there's a little bit of resistance usually in the beginning but then by the end of the retreat I see that's kind of gone that's so interesting isn't it (laughs) it really is it really is nourishing the intelligence of the body and how the body if it's just given the resources that it needs the nourishment that it needs it actually knows how to be well, how to be healthy, how to be wise. It can teach us so much about who we are, what our next steps are, what the right direction is for us. But when we shut down the body and we, you know, push down its wisdom, neglect it, then we end up just very disembodied, disembodied basically, where we're swimming up in the mind, slightly outside ourselves, And then it's very easy for us to be influenced by people outside of us rather than trusting our own 
inner compass and sense of what's real and true and grounded embodied wisdom. Mm. I worked with you a few years ago when I was really going through big transition and you gave me some really powerful tools that I could do and use, you know, right now in the moment. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if you can share, you know, if someone is really suffering and really struggling with these concepts right now, what, what, what are some simple things that they can do today? The concepts of being embodied and pleasure. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's such a big thing, isn't it? So that is really a journey, a longer term journey, but uh, for now, it's just it's a process of little by little coming back into the body. And really, the first step is even just noticing the body, mm-hmm. noticing the sensations mm-hmm. that we're feeling. So it's so easy for us to drive our lives from our head, from our mind, uh, pushing through what we think is best, what we've been conditioned into thinking we should enjoy, what we should want. And it's paying attention to what we do actually enjoy, what actually feels good in the body. That often means coming down into much lower centers of intelligence in our body. It often means coming down into the gut area, into the womb. If you're familiar with the chakra system it's the the sacral chakra where our pleasure center especially as women and it's noticing well how does this feel so when i when i eat this food um is that sitting well in my body do i feel a sense of being satisfied has it landed down where i go Oh, yes, (laughs) that really satisfied a craving in me today. Or am I just eating something which is either numbing my sensations or because I've been told it's healthy and I should want to eat it and it's good for me? And a lot of it means throwing out the rule book of the shoulds and just paying attention to very subtle, often very subtle sensations in our body, where does it feel heavy or light when I think about something? Does it feel, does my stomach sink, you know, when I think about making a particular decision and do I kind of go, oh God, (laughs) please don't make me do that. Or do I feel um enlivened do is there a sense of kind of butterflies in my stomach does my heart feel expanded like a, a lovely feeling of warmth in my chest just noticing where in your body you feel your yeses and your noes where does it feel like things land and feel good you know congruent that makes sense it sits in my body well and where I feel a tightening, like the muscles are tightening up when I think of something. My stomach is clenching. Oh, I've got a a tightness in my chest. So it's really coming down out of the head and trusting the intelligence of the body, which is always there. But it takes retraining. It's just a minute by minute tuning in and noticing what just happened when I thought of that idea or I thought of making that decision or I thought of choosing that 
um, what is happening in my body when I come out of the logical mind? Is my body okay with that? Is it is that sitting nicely within me or is it not? And it, that's a practice. It's easier when we do it with the smallest, smallest little choices in our lives first, like, you know, do I want a cup of coffee or do I want a glass of water? Do I want a salad for lunch or would I just love to sit with a big bowl of pasta? You know, really, truly, what's the intelligence of my body telling me I want now? And when we practice with the little small things, it gets easier when it comes to the bigger things. Does that kind of well, make sense? It, it really does. It's so, uh, it's, it's that sense of working with just our, the, our earthy quality, you know, being, yeah. being on earth, being centered in body so that we can move into other areas. And I, and I always think of it like, it's almost like the foundation, you know, yes. of how it all begins. Absolutely. Neve, I'm wondering what, what are the big questions that are coming up for you these days? <laughs> maybe you don't have to list them all, but maybe one or two. <laughs> oh, there's so many, aren't there really, that we're all sitting with yeah. at the moment? Yeah, I guess it's how do we, how do we translate? Like we're, we're all sitting with these huge, huge questions, which feel overwhelming. And sometimes they're so big like climate change, huge political decisions around our bodies, our choices, uh, war. I mean, all we have to do is read the news to feel sometimes completely overwhelmed and powerless. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting with how do we translate what needs to happen at the big picture level into the smaller picture? So Whatever change we want to see in the world, instead of getting completely maxed out, overwhelmed, and then kind of going into collapse and freeze, like we, I just, I can't move on anything because it's all so big. It's kind of like, well, how does that big picture translate to how I am now in my life, how I am showing up in, for example, your mothering, if you're a mother, in your work in how your relationships are playing out uh, in how much you're allowing your voice to be active in your community how is it that you are supposed to show up in your leadership so that you can model a new way of doing things so that you can lead in you know in our smaller communities like localizing everything so it turns into grassroots change so we're changing the world from the ground upwards rather than this kind of helpless way of operating where we are handing all the power over to our leaders and then getting exasperated overwhelmed kind of depressed and feeling powerless over it all it's kind of like how do we show up in the capacity that we have to be the leaders in the world where we have influence you know what where do you have influence in your life and what is the influence that you want to have and then noticing where you are bringing the same values that you dislike in the world into how you're showing up in your life and then how can that be changed uh tweaked 
radically turned around so that we become the examples of the change that we want to see. You know, it's that it's that Gandhi quote of being the change that you want to see in the world. But like, really, what does that look like for you? Neve, that is that's a that's a wow statement right there. Yeah. I it's mean, it's it's it is. And yet it's also very doable. And yeah, it's not too grandiose to talk about how keeping it close, you know, close to home, close to what's just right there with us in this moment. Mm. And, and, and that practice, the practice of doing that is related then back to understanding what feels right to you, coming back into relationship with your own inner wisdom and your body wisdom and leading from there rather than yeah. from what, what should, what you should do, how you should be. It's like, who are you though? And what are your great gifts and how can you show up in them in the world? Well, I believe that this has been such a beautiful interview and time. And it, this is just like the perfect way to just kind of float out of the interview. <laughs> so, uh, although I think we could probably talk about this for days on end. I am so... <laughs> really just so thankful that you are joining me today. And I know that my listeners are going to adore this podcast. So thank you so much, Neve, for being here with me today. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for having me. It's lovely to have an opportunity to, to talk about all of these subjects. Anytime. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey friends, summer is here and here we are. Spring was a ride, right? I'm wanting to lean into the slower moments of this warmer season and savor them. I hope that you can do the same and I hope that you can be well this summer. I'm very excited to announce a new course that I've specially created, which is my gift to you, dear listeners. Yes, you heard that right. It is a gift. So be on the lookout. I'll be sending out in my newsletter and posting on social media all of the details for how you can join. So look for that in a couple weeks. Also, plans are underway to return to Italy in four months. So this October, we have two more retreats in Mama Italy. Yes, Radiant Jane Retreats will be going back for a memoir writing retreat. And we have two spaces that are open for you to join in the memoir retreat. And we have a couple spaces also left in the Tarot retreat, both in October. You can peek at thejanereeves.com and these will all be in the show notes as well, links. So if these look interesting to you or you have any questions, send me a note and we can talk more. Okay, that's it for now. Take the best care and be kind to your one precious life and heart. Much love to you and yours.